0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So, I'll be pretty upfront with you guys. This is one of those weekends where I had to do a little box score watching. Normally, I get to watch more action live, but this weekend, I was box score checking. You know, pulling up the phone, sneaking a peek here and there, still fighting off this stupid cold. Dang, thing's been lasting forever. This is one of those ones, you guys probably had them, I don't know, what, how often on this podcast do I need to talk about my illnesses? I guess as often as I have them. This is one of those ones that just started very mildly, like eight days ago, and it's been... Slow plodding its way through my system. I feel pretty confident that, that I'll be fine in the next like one to two days. We're really at the tail end of it now, but you can probably still hear it in the voice. Uh I'll do my best. I mean, I got I got plenty of power left in the in the pipes here. We can get through this podcast. It's just gonna sound a little bit a little bit snuffly. A little bit snuffly, right? A little nerdier than usual today. Ah well. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's Monday. I'm Dan Desperus. Another week upon us here. Chugging along at this point. We are man, we're kinda coming down the chute now. Season is three quarters done. At least by time. Actually, I think by games played, we're pretty close to that mark as well. Eighty-two games in the season, so yeah, we're about twenty or so per quarter. Most teams in the NBA are at 60 or 61, 59 games right now. Somewhere in that two to three game window. So we are three quarters done. Which of course means a couple of things. Number one, it means your playoffs are coming up real soon. They are upon us at this point. Some probably start today. Many start a week from today. And a ton start two weeks from today. So very much coming down the chute. And if you're looking over at the Roto side of things, which I know a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is that kind of a uh, attention. We try to... We discuss, obviously, the head-to-head stuff more so now as we get closer to the playoffs because I believe early in the season there's a ton of overlap between the two. You can obviously do a little bit more punting in head-to-head than you can in Roto. But in terms of players you're drafting, things that you're picking up, you're always chasing upside in both head-to-head and Roto formats. This is the time of the year where things diverge a little bit more. You start to get into the streaming side of things on head to head. Your stat hunting becomes pretty significant where in head to head you're just you're strengthening your strengths and in roto you're going exclusively ROI. You want to try to pick up points in whatever categories you can most quickly leap over a couple of teams. So you're stat hunting in both to some degree, you're category hunting in both, but for different reasons. One of them, you are strengthening your powers already. You want to get that sixth excellent category or make sure that five, you can just blow people out every week, little things like that. That's all you need to do once you hit playoff time. And then set yourself up for a nice stream in those categories. By the way, we have a reverse chronological lightning round coming up here uh, on this, this Monday edition. That'll be the bulk of the show today. But I thought it relevant to, to bring up the, the streaming plan People are like, well, you know, I'm going to pick up this guy to stream, pick up this guy to stream, pick up this guy to stream. When you're streaming specifically in playoff formats, this is what we're talking about now. And I I mean, that's when you would be doing most of your streaming anyway. You shouldn't just be grabbing the player that you think is going to have, quote unquote, the best day. You need to be analyzing what your opponent is good or bad at, what you're good or bad at, and use your stream guys to buttress that, to attack that action, right? Like, if you're going to be, if you're looking at your your weekly matchup, and it's going to be close in steals, and you're going to blow your opponent out in points, there might be a guy out there that, oh, I don't know, it could be some weirdo on a team where veterans are getting rested, and Um, there's a there's a a sub that checks in and is going to post 17 18 points a ball game normally that would be the guy you grab right you wouldn't even have to think twice about it this is the guy that's doing doing work but come playoff time you're already winning that category I mean what like you're looking for the guy that's going to guarantee you your playoff victory You could have a guy that scores zero points the entire week but gets you nine steals, and in that particular hypothetical, that guy is the more relevant basketball player. That's the more useful dude. So please bear this in mind as you go into your streaming strategy. It's not just looking for the best possible guy. It's looking for the guy that is best suited for your particular week, and it may change on a week-to-week basis. Often it will change on a week to week basis. So please think this stuff through. I beg of you, I beg of you guys, think this stuff through and we'll get there. We're gonna we're gonna start talking about streaming probably on Friday show of this week because you'll be teeing yourself up for Monday if you're in your playoffs already. Uh, most of my leagues start the playoffs on the uh, 16th as opposed to today or the 9th, the 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th are the playoff weeks. My leagues end 10 days early. My couple of head-to-head leagues, I should mention. The so you'll, you'll get more of that streaming analysis from me as you approach my own head-to-head playoffs, but I'm also going to try to get in some of that stuff ahead of time, just to get in the groove, even for myself, just to kind of get my brain in the right mindset. We will have a lot of that on the podcast, and it's going to be a lot less of just general who's good, who's bad kind of stuff. The podcast takes a real turn around this time of year. Not quite. We're almost there, but pretty damn soon. Today, however, today, however, I want to start, well, beyond discussing playoff streaming strategy, which is always important. I want to start by once again mentioning I am Dan Vespers, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Big thank you to you guys. We got three more reviews on the podcast, which I realize doesn't sound like a lot, but at this time of the season, when in general, there aren't that many of you that are finding the show for the first time. There aren't that many people that on March 1st are like, hey, wh- where should I get my fantasy fixed this, this year? You guys have probably found it already, right? You guys have You guys have done your work to this point. This is actually a time of year where you start to see listenership Fade a little bit, little by little, as people get eliminated from leagues. They don't, they're not as hardcore into it for whatever reason. And yet, somehow, you guys are still rating and reviewing the podcast. It's fantastic. So, I'll start the show by reading the two most recent reviews. I like this one, by the way, because uh, this is Rye Guy. He's all over it, man. He says some really nice stuff, but I want you to listen to the whole thing. Uh, Danny Vokes, a plethora of fantasy basketball info. This is the number one podcast for fantasy hoops. Moreover, Dan has better insight than folks that are on primary sports channels. Give the show two or three listens and you'll see why I never miss an episode. Thank you. Very nice. And then, Rye, who's spot on, by the way. I This is very accurate. He says, one critique. Dan is ultra conservative. I should add, in fantasy. <laughs> you guys probably know the, the opposite side about me. Dan is ultra conservative in his fantasy play. I added that part. So you will always put you in the playoffs if you follow his advice. However, you're going to need to understand he might keep you away from the risky moves that could win you a league. What I'd like to add there, by the way, uh, Guy's spot on. I, You guys know I draft very conservatively. This is If you draft not to make a bunch of mistakes, you put yourself in great position. And if you have the time to make pickups and drops throughout the year, make some trades and analyze, you're going to win a lot of leagues. You're going to get first or second place in a ton and you're going to be top three in almost every league you're in. If you follow my advice, because we're just, we're not going to have any big swings and misses that kill your team. You're probably not going to get the guy that jump starts. you That's true. But at the same time, here's the thing. Like I, I have a few thoughts on this because Rye is absolutely right. I've said it a million times in this pod. I'll say it a million more. I am very cautious in my draft technique and I am very patient With my ads and drops during the season. Because more times than not. You're going to drop a guy and regret it. Then you're going to pick up a guy. And have him a win you a league type. But I will say. There are. Relatively conservative plays. You can make in fantasy. Even on draft day. That can also win you a league. Here are a few names. That we dealt with heavily this year. One. If you go early. Kawhi Leonard was a guy that people consider risky, and I ended up kind of talking myself and our listeners into doing more Kawhi. He's number six by totals, by the way. By On a per-game basis, he's number three. He's number six by totals. He's probably going to play some 65 air. well, yeah, probably in that neck of the woods, 63 to 65 games. And he's going to end up being a pretty good value for folks that took him around 10, 11, or twelve. Chris Paul, who, I mean, I don't know that there was a person out there who was advocating for Chris Paul more than we were here on Fantasy NBA Today. By totals this year, he's number seven. Seven. He is a mid first rounder on the year. And he was, I mean, this is an old man, right? Old man thought, well, he's falling. You're going to get a good value here. I don't know that anybody, myself included, thought it was going to be this good, but I thought, all right, well, you know, per-game basis, this is a guy that's been inside the top 10. How about Tobias Harris on a per-game basis? Yeah, he's down in that 50-ish range, but he's played in 61 games this year. Durability is now a skill. Safe plays can be quite effective. Tobias Harris on a totals basis this year is number 23. 23. 23. LaMarcus Aldridge is number 25 by totals on the year. Jonas Valanciunas is 32 by totals on the year. Look at the guys in that grouping here. And, and this will change again before the end of the year, but I thought this was kind of a fun discussion to have because it was a really well-written and accurate review from Rye. Look at the other names in these lists. Trey Young is at 8. That's a guy that maybe you took a little bit of a chance on, and he's been overachieving. He's also been quite durable, which... I don't think I saw coming there. I didn't realize he was going to be as durable as he was. I'm trying to look for other guys where they were really buzzy names, and I sort of tried to speak against them. There are some other buzzy names that I didn't kill. I thought Bam Adebayo, yeah, pretty buzzy. He's been super durable, though. That's been a big key to his success. Free throw percent is up to 69 for him now. That's a good thing. Looking at some of these other names in the top 25 range, and, I mean... Trey is basically the only guy in the top 25 that you would call a buzzy name that I thought, well, we'll mostly let somebody else take a chance on that. You got to go outside of it to get those other buzz dudes. Look where Luca's at now because he's been banged up. By totals, he's number 30. You guys probably didn't realize that was happening. Per game basis, luca has been falling as well. Largely because of free throw shooting at this point. Number 20. Remember when he was locked in as, like, number six forever? This is why I do what I do. We missed on Trey Young. We didn't draft a ton of Trey Youngs because I thought, well, there's, there is upside, but there is also significant downside. But let's go with the guys that we know are going to lock in here. Until he got traded, Andre Drummond was one of those guys. And actually, he had a really good ball game over the weekend, so maybe things are rebounding a bit for him. Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler. These are all these guys that we just thought, these are safe plays. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Maybe they don't win you the league, although Chris Paul is going to win some leagues for people. Maybe they don't win you your league, but you don't lose your league on draft night. I don't know. I'm not defending myself. I mean, Ryan wrote a really nice review. I just thought I'd put that back into focus for a bit. By the way, uh, Brown Evan also wrote a really nice review There's nothing mean or funny in there. He just wrote a really nice one. So thank you, by the way. We'll throw a thank you your way for all the kind words. And to everybody else that has not yet rated or reviewed the podcast, please drop a five-star review on Fantasy NBA Day using the podcast app on your mobile device. Click on the podcast app. Hit the search button. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and scroll to the bottom of that page. And that's where you can write a review. And if you write something funny, clever, whatever, I will read it right here on the pod. Okay, let's get into the reverse chronological lightning round, because I have a limited amount of voice, and we're rolling, and we got some good stuff already in the in the bucket here, and I think we can move at a pretty good clip today. Milwaukee was in Charlotte. That was the early game on Sunday. That game started, I think, 10 out here on the Pacific Coast. That joint was over before I had settled in for the day. I don't know if you guys know this, but I and I tweeted it at Dan Basperis that I was uh, at a friend's wedding for... Uh, about a day and a half, we got to stay overnight. We left the kid at grandma's house. Holy smokes! Like being young again. Hot damn! Uh, nothing much of note on the Milwaukee side. Chris Middleton has been out for a couple of ball games with a an injured neck. You would have thought Dante Divincenzo would be able to do a little bit more, but it's actually been more George Hill than anybody. Still, ah, you can't convince me to care. I was talking about Cody Zeller. On our Friday show. And actually the rotating center cavalcade in Charlotte right now. That they've gone to a little bit more of a traditional lineup. And with Zeller out. Bismack biombo has been just good enough. Which honestly had I known I probably would have streamed Bismack over the weekend. Just for some blocks. Willie Hernan Gomez double doubled in 20 minutes. Most of the time I think with Zeller out you're going to see Majority Biz. Who's a terrible fantasy player. But again we're stat hunting at this point of the year. And then you guys know I can't stand the rest of this stuff. I, I've, I've written off this whole team. They're all they're all terrible, man. This is a horrible fantasy team. Where are we at with some of these guys at this point? Have they fallen off the map completely yet? Where's Terry Rozier at? Ah, 81. Devontae Graham is in the 90s now. We're closing in on it, guys. We may really have a team without a guy inside the top 100. I don't know why I want it. It just feels like a thing that hasn't happened in recent memory, and I now I just want something weird. Clippers beat the Sixers one hundred and thirty-six to one hundred and thirty. Sure, glad they played a couple uh, minutes of defense in this ball game. Clippers shot fifty-nine percent. Sixers fifty-one. Shake Milton had thirty-nine points and seven three-pointers. I said it on Friday's show, I thought, well, this might end up being a short-term thing if Embiid and Simmons do come back in the not-too-distant future, but if they don't, you could ride it out. And I think I also said on Friday, there's a chance that maybe he just plays his way into a more consistent role, and with Richardson now out, Josh Richardson took a shot to the nose and entered the concussion protocol, this team is completely down to their nubs. Tobias Harris played 41 minutes in this game, Shake Milton played 40 Al Horford's going to be good. I don't know what's going to happen outside of those guys. Harris, Horford, and Milton. Someone's going to have to do something. Things are looking bleak for Philly all of a sudden. Three starters down and counting. Paul George, uh, minutes cap largely lifted at this point. He looked good in 30 minutes. Kawhi uh, looked very good in 33 minutes. I believe he scored 30 points for the 20th time this year. Sort of an unforeseen side plot with this team is that Reggie Jackson actually is slicing into Pat Beverly's minutes a little bit. More than I expected. Bev had been on a minute's limit, but if indeed Paul George had his lifted, and you'd figure Beverly had his lifted as well, it didn't matter. He had four rebounds and four assists, and he needs to be on the floor to get his off-kilter point guard stats. He's a rebounding, assisting, steel-blocking three-point shooter. And if he's not out there, th- I mean, scoring isn't going to be a thing that floats him. So let's keep an eye on this. You guys know I'm a huge Patrick Beverly fan, but the, this, whatever it is, whether it's the injury or Reggie Jackson or the combination of the both of them, him coming back, it has been a very tough stretch for Pat Bev. And I'm hoping he snaps himself out of it. I'm not going to part with him yet. He's been... He really was way too good when he was sort of the lone point guard. I mean, Lou Williams, I guess, but sort of a different type of ball player. You can't part with Pat Beverly that quickly. His his fantasy game is too interesting and useful to assume that Reggie Jackson is going to leave the, a lasting impact there. Dallas blew out the Timberwolves. Seth Curry's been on a heater these days. Kristaps Porzingis played well. But again, this team really does sort of rotate useful players on a nightly basis no Luka Doncic on uh, Sunday sat out with a thumb injury I think the expectation was that he was going to play so this was a little bit of a surprise it allowed DeLon Wright to do a little bit more but he has not been able to hold consistent value and it seems like lately when Don when Doncic is out Seth Curry's the guy that settles into a more prominent usage role and he's a damn good shooter but I'm not making any moves with this team I'm not going to sub anybody in or out. Maxi Kleba didn't get to play a whole lot in this ballgame, but I believe Porzingis will sit on the second half of a back-to-back or the first half of back-to-back. They got one coming up midweek, so you'll probably get a Kleba game somewhere along the way. For Minnesota, and this is, you know, for if I got one wrong in one of the other games that we talked about already or or semi-wrong, I got this one right. I said I don't trust anybody with Minnesota these days because I don't know who's expected to play. Nasri did get 27 minutes of this blowout loss, but 9-12 with no defensive stats. James Johnson, 24 minutes, 4 points, 4 rebounds. He had been playing relatively well, and, and generally on a permanent basis, he'd been more useful. But this is, this is a hard team to roster folks beyond D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley right now. I don't, I don't know that anything is really set in stone until Carl anthony Towns comes back, which I do still think is going to happen. Toronto-Denver was actually relatively close. Denver opened it up late, despite a, a jumbo-sized game from OG Ananobi, who's come on really strong with Freddie Van Vliet, Sergi Ibaka, and Marcus Soul all out. So if you, if you had that odd combination as the guys that needed to be missing for Ananobi to wake up and decide to play again, congratulations. Circle gets a square. Norman Powell's looked very good in his games back from a finger injury. He played 40 minutes in this one. 24 points, six boards, and a block. Efficiency has been one of the big keys for him. He's a must-start guy, and an Obi's a must-start right now, although you have to imagine that as this team gets healthy, he's going to be a guy that sees his usage plummet, and that's when he was tailing off. He has 13 steals in his last two ball games, which is a Raptors record. I think it was the first Raptor to have six or more steal two games in a row. I think it's what a stat I saw floating across the Twitter sphere. Just not quite enough firepower against a good Nuggets team at home. Jokic triple-doubled. Torrey Craig had 17 off the bench. Jamal Murray got off to a quick start, finished with 22. And the Nuggets just shot the ball too well. They shot 57%. No Paul Millsap with an ankle sprain, which allowed Jeremy Grant to play 34 minutes. And he's a must-stream guy. Anytime Paul Millsap is not in the lineup, that's a that's one that you can just lock in and not even think about it. A set it and forget it type. Detroit got off to an 18 to one start in Sacramento. Kings back came back and beat them, probably because Derrick Rose turned his ankle in the uh, second quarter and could not continue. He had nine points in nine minutes of this game. It looked like Rose was going to have one of them big throwback type of nights, and then Detroit just didn't have any offense the rest of the way. Christian Wood had 20-12 and with a block. He's looked pretty good lately. Despite some shortcomings, it's hard to complain about what he's done. John Henson has been the starting center on this team with Don Maker dealing with what we believe is an ankle injury, but it's possible that he's just being rotated in and out. Henson had a pretty good ball game, although he missed all four of his free throws and didn't play late. I don't I mean, you guys know I'm going to be the first man to tell you to pick up Henson if I think there's any kind of future there. I don't. I don't. He's a a defensive specialist, though, so again, we're at that time of the year where there might be a team that could utilize his services in some small capacity, but don't expect much. And for the Kings, Alex Lennon and Harry Giles have entered into a weird timeshare. However... We got a slightly positive review on Rashawn Holmes. There's an expectation that he will practice this coming week. So maybe we get him back in the next 7 to 10 days. Let's hold out hope forever. Hope springs eternal. Alex Lennon, 8, 13, and 5 blocks. He'll get picked up in a lot of leagues and probably dropped after the next ball game. Harry Giles is certainly the more sustainable center. As the starter, he's going to be the guy that sees more playing time. This is just one where the starters for the Kings were horrible. And so the minutes flip-flopped a tiny bit. Buddy Healed had 19 in his fire away roll off the bench. He had 17 shots, so there's no reason to worry. Yeah, the minutes are down, but you get 17 shots up in 25 minutes. That's that's just fine. Uh, I, I would prefer to have Harry Giles if you're going to stream a setter. I know... Len has the better blocks upside, but his percentages will generally kill you. At least with Giles, he'll give you a smattering. He'll give you like .7 steals and .6 blocks, or maybe a little bit more than that as in a starter's role. But points, rebounds, and both percentages with Harry, that to me is actually more interesting. At least if you're looking at kind of an overall standpoint, even if it's only for 7 to 10 days. Lakers, this is an impressive road win. Pelicans are fighting hard right now. Lakers were without Anthony Davis, who sat this one out with a little bit of knee soreness. And LeBron turned the clock back. Not that it's... I mean, that's a stupid expression. He's, he's doing this every every week anyway. 34-12-13. Made all three of his free throws, too. Made JaVale McGee look damn good again. JaVale had six blocks. I mean, we have to know that... Unfortunately, we got the word on Anthony Davis very shortly before the game started, so there was really no chance to pick up the two Lakers centers in McGee and Howard. Those guys always play well when AD sits. Do I think Anthony Davis misses another ball game? It's possible. You know, we're at a point in the season now where until the Lakers' position as the lead dog in the Western Conference is threatened, and we're not talking about who's most likely to win the Western Conference. We're just talking about seeding right now. The Lakers are five and a half up on everybody. So they have the luxury here with 23 games to go of letting guys play when they're healthy. I'm a little surprised. I thought, you know, if Anthony Davis was healthy enough, I think he would have played in this one. Lakers host the Sixers tomorrow. This is the, the zombie Sixers, remember, with most likely no Richardson, Embiid, or Simmons. So you might see AD sit again. Then the Lakers host the Bucks on Friday and play the Clippers, which is a technically a road game, on Sunday. They've got two devastating games coming up in there. Then the Nets. This is a tough stretch for the Lakers, by the way. And then the Rockets, Nuggets, Jazz twice in a row. Four more tough games before it eases up a little bit. Lakers' schedule gets a little bit easier the final couple weeks of the season. So what does that mean? Well, again, they've got this little bit of cushion. Still, Anthony Davis seems like a guy that wants to play anytime he really is good enough to go. He's played in 51 of their 59 games so far this year, which is... By all accounts, a victory, and when he's ready to go, he'll play. Obviously, if we get word that he's expected to miss any more time, you pick up JaVale and Dwight Howard and you stream the crap out of him. Kyle Kuzma had 20 in a start, but his fantasy game is extremely limited. For the Pelicans, Lonzo Ball nearly triple-doubled against his old team. He's had a really nice year, quietly. Derek Favors played 27 minutes against the very large Lakers. That was good for his fantasy value. Double double with a steal and a block. Zion had 35. Very productive offensive game, but no assists, no steals, no blocks, six turnovers. There's this, and this is this is with being a young guy. I mean, this isn't me knocking Zion. He's unbelievable, and he's his speed and his strength is something that the league. Hasn't really seen in a young player, maybe forever, but certainly LeBron. Just in terms of stature, is someone that you look back at and think, "Oh, well, he just he just faster and stronger than everybody else." Zion's built differently. However, I will knock him for one thing. There is a little bit of a vacuum element to it. You no, know, he's going, he's going at you. It's good and bad. You know, sometimes it takes the teammates out of their rhythm a little bit. But that fight for the 8th seed in the West is going to be very real. Memphis hanging on right now, because the Blazers, the Pels, and the Spurs, none of them seem to actually want to chase him down. At least, at least, it's still competitive. Beal had 34. Wizards beat the Warriors in the uh, regular Nintendo matchup of the year. davis Bertans had 29 and 8 three-pointers. Shabazz Napier as the starting point guard played 25 minutes to Ish Smith's 20. That's a good sign. Remember, I was talking about how I'm relatively high on Shabazz, and I know he hasn't done anything to to warrant that, to say high on him, because his usage has been pretty damn low. Uh, But these steals, five assists is nice, a three-pointer is nice. I mean, he's really, at this, looking at this ballgame, if Beal doesn't need to take 24 shots, if you get somebody else involved just a little bit, Napier is so close right now to having decent fantasy value. So close. But the Warriors, recently signed Michael Mulder. <laughs> Silliness for this team. Played 31 minutes right out of the shoot. Wiggins played 35, and he was good. He actually a really nice fantasy game. Damian Lee floated his numbers with some defensive stats. Marquise Chris double-double with two blocks. He continues to rumble along. Eric Pascal had a bunch of points, rebounds, and assists, but nothing else. Juan Toscano Anderson played 28 minutes and did very little. Jordan Poole played 28 minutes. The Warriors have gone to this incredibly short bench of all dudes you've never heard of before and Andrew Wiggins. And Dragon Bender, who had played 30 minutes in his previous game, played 19 in this one. I mean, they're all over the map. Warriors also just called uh, Alan Smailagic. Smailagic? I'm going to get that one wrong on this one. Recalled him. Steph Curry could return later this week, and he ended up getting pushed back, which, not that I, not that I wanted that to happen, but at least the fact that I thought he was going to play later than March 1st is now appearing to be an accurate guess. And then Draymond Green is just in full-on mail-it-in mode. He sat this one out with a left-knee soreness, whatever the hell they're calling it at this point. I think he plays when Steph plays. Just get them both in there, have a little fun together. And that'll knock these weirdos off their pedestal. I mean, who can you really trust on this team? I know Damian Lee's actually been borderline trustworthy lately. He seems to be getting his minutes regardless of what else is going on for the moment. I think Steph Curry and or Draymond coming back does change that metric a little bit. And it continues to me for B, Wiggins, uh Wiggins and Chris are the two guys that I'm willing to trust on this team at the moment. And you can put Draymond into that list, but I mean, he's been... He's been tough to deal with, too. Let's go back to Saturday. Chicago was in New York. Bulls got beat up by the Knicks. That's a rough spot. Kobe White had 22. And again, I mean, they played the Knicks. So we figured there'd be one more good one in the chamber here. He looks like he's geared up to have a pretty high-scoring run down the stretch as the Bulls, not that they were ever really in playoff contention, But their array of injuries and bad play, you throw all that together, and they've fallen now pretty far back. The Nets at 26 and 33, the Bulls are 20 games under 500. That would be a pretty steep hill to climb. And they're behind the Hornets now, guys. To me, the Wizards are the only team in the East that even has a borderline logical argument to try to get that eight seed. Which is a little bit unfortunate because if you're hoping that guy's on, well, I don't know, the rest of these teams are teams you sort of assumed would be in tank mode pretty shortly here anyway. So forget it. Throw that out. Wendell Carter Jr. played 18 minutes, so that was good news. If you have him, you can get him in there. Maybe not the next game, but probably the one after that. Zach Levine should be fine. Tomas Satoransky should be fine as well. Wendell Carter coming back means Daniel Gafford goes back to being useless. Same with Cristiano Felicio. Otto Porter, Larry Markkinen, we're still waiting on that. I didn't. I, Why I, this team was a tough stash? I think I said I didn't think Otto Porter was even going to play this year a few months back. Maybe he does. Meanwhile, Mitchell Robinson, 23-10, a steal and two blocks. He's been rolling, but that's not the story. Alfred Payton, who sucked a butt with his percentages... We just knew he was going to come back and get us at some point. I almost started to believe in you, Alfred. Then he went ahead and deuced all over the percentages here. The story is the guy that we've been quietly watching that almost nobody else has had their eye on, and for good reason, and that's Mo Harkless, who's owned in almost no fantasy leagues, 4%. And yet, very quietly, he's averaged 26 minutes a game over his last four with the Knicks, which puts him just outside the top 100 over that stretch. On about nine and a half points per game, four boards, two assists, 1.3 steals, 0.8 blocks, and one and a half three-pointers. It's generally not going to get much better than that for Harkless. Yeah, maybe he makes more than the hell is he at now, like six out of nine free throws or something like that over this stretch. Maybe he goes better than six for nine. He's always going to be hovering around 50% shooting. He's been a high-efficiency guy there. He is your end-of-the-bench 9-cat guy who's going to get you a little bit of everything right now. He's quietly going to be very helpful in Roto Leagues, it's looking like. He loves being a Nick. He came out and said it. This is the team he's always wanted to play for, even though they stink right now. But they're rolling him out there for big minutes. And they're... I don't even think it's an arguable note. They're better with him on the team than without him. Would I pick him up? I don't think it really matters. You could put him in the streaming department if you want. But at the same time, he's good enough to be used right now. Miami beat Brooklyn 116-113. Bam was good. Kendrick Nunn was the Heat. Other guy that got hot in this one. Jimmy Butler had an oddly inefficient ball game. Not, I mean, that's been, at times, his issue this year. Uh, Jay Crowder, 13 points. A steal, two three-pointers. Still played 28 and changed minutes. They seem to love him. I'm okay with him as a specialist type right now. Really, I'm okay with it. Portland lost in Atlanta. They really need Dame back. There's your really impressive thought for the podcast. You mean to say C.J. McCollum is on Whiteside and Trevor Ariza can't float a basketball team? No, not really. They need Dame back and they need him quick. You all, we worry a little bit that Lillard might return before he really should hurt himself and then just sort of call it a year for Portland. So hopefully he really does wait until he's fully good to go. But they're running out of time. Kudos, by the way, to Kevin Herter, a guy that I'd been saying is has been kind of steadily falling off here for putting together a game that reminded us he's not dead yet. This is a really nice one, too. Three steals, a block, three three-pointers. He actually did it on good shooting. The low usage continues to be an issue for me. They're not going to put up a buck twenty-nine on everybody. Portland's defense is particularly bad. Cam Reddish got hurt, left with lower back pain about halfway through this ballgame, so that opened things up for both Herter and DeAndre Hunter. And this really falls into that same story we've been talking about. When all three of those guys are healthy, it's difficult for any one of them to sustain fantasy value. When any of the three guys is out, the other two have a pretty good path. There's just one too many guys in that mix. If Hunter's out, Reddish and Herter will be good. Reddish goes out. Herder and Hunter will probably be good. Meanwhile, Trey Young and John Collins—they're just floating along, happy as clams. And if Dwayne Deadman, by the way, or Clint Capella comes back anytime soon, then it moves everybody around again. We'll have to worry about usage and all that stuff. Generally, with Capella, Dedman doesn't shoot very much. I, I will pick up Dwayne Deadman if he really does come back at some point this week. I, I think he could, he could do a little Gorgy Jeng type stuff, which again quiet productivity not blowing the doors off anybody still looking at Kevin Herter nice to see the eight assists that was the stuff that he was doing earlier this year that made him so valuable this will this might be one of his better games the rest of the year though keep that in mind Anthony Davis tried to play in this Lakers game against Memphis maybe he shouldn't have John Moran had a big one Valanchunas went 20-20 on the Lakers D'Anthony Melton got another start, played 25 minutes, had three points, three boards, two assists, three steals, one block, and a three-pointer. It's weird to look at that line and think, well, that was actually pretty good. But truly, the only thing that sucked was the scoring. A couple of assists, four defensive stats. He He just didn't take any shots when he was on the floor. So hopefully that changes. Dylan Brooks took 24 shots. He may want to consider making a pass at some point. This type of stuff is catching up with the Grizzlies now. Dylan Brooks on Chuck Alert. That's catching up with him. I still like Gorgie Jenkins. I only, only played 21 minutes in this game. I thought he'd see a little bit more, but JV was going so good, they just rolled with him. Uh, Gorgie still had three defensive stats, and you know, 24 minutes is the number that we were talking about on the podcast. I think he can get there, and I'm going to keep streaming him. There's too much opportunity and upside buried there. Indiana got a road win in Cleveland, as they should. Victor Oladipo looked pretty good. He's starting to look a little bit more like himself. And, of course, that fact means Justin Hollett is going to have a very difficult time. I thought Oladipo was going to miss more than a game with his back injury. But now you're looking at a team where all five starters are useful, and the bench has gone kind of catatonic here. They're they're unnecessary. They can just sit and stare. Cleveland's been an interesting story. Tristan Thompson now is out with a knee injury. Andre Drummond is back from his calf injury, and he went huge. Maybe he just needed a one-game benching. Drummond 27-13-4 and four, with four steals a block. Made more than half his shots finally. Made his free throws finally. Kevin Love played 37 minutes. He double-doubled. Larry Nance played 25 minutes. He didn't score or rebound much because Love and Drummond took them all. But he still got his steals... And generally, he'll be pretty efficient. And Colin is probably the only other guy you can generally trust there. Kevin Porter did play 34 minutes off the bench, and we'll continue to monitor him, but he's not quite over the hump yet. Houston beat Boston in a nail-biter. P.J. Tucker actually had a good ball game. Heaven forbid he showed up for a night. But at this point, you're trusting Harden, Westbrook, and Covington, and that's it for me. I ain't going any farther than those guys. Boston, how good is Daniel Tice, man? How good has he been? Kemba Walker, by the way, might actually play this week. And that'll probably hurt Marcus Smart more than anybody else. Jason Tatum's been unreal. They'll just have to find a way to split the shots up a little bit better. And Tice is just going to keep getting all the center minutes. Not worried about any of these guys. San Antonio, narrow victory over the Magic. And frankly, they needed it. Don't care about the Magic. They're not a team that I'm paying any attention to. I know I actually know James Ennis had a slightly better ball game, but that's deep leaguey stuff. Trey Lyles is the guy filling in for Lamarcus Aldridge right now because Jakob Pertle sprained his knee. So I think it was MCL. Lamarcus doubtful for the Spurs next ball game, so hopefully he'll be back maybe late this week. If I had to put my money on it, I'd say he might miss another entire week. But with both. LaMarcus, Aldridge, and Jakob Pertle out. They almost have no choice but to play Trey Lyles' gigantic minutes. So he's actually a pretty good stream right now for this team. There's, there's no one else they're willing to try at the center spot at this point. Yeah, He's it. He played 40 minutes in this game. That, by the way, is a lot of minutes. Jakob Pertl started but hurt his knee four minutes into the game, or Trey Lyles might have played 44 minutes. There's nobody else. They don't have any other centers on this team. It makes you wonder if they might call somebody up for the next ball game. Still, I I mean, is that a guy that's going to chop more than five or six minutes off of Lyles? Mid-30s in minutes? You have to stream him at this point. You have to. Derek White, DeJounte Murray both seem to have moved back into a positive valuation. Some of that might be just because Aldridge is out. But regardless, they've been useful lately as well. We talked Golden State already. Phoenix has been in a weird skid these days. And overall they've just been kind of a difficult team to handicap on the over the course of a season. You just they're unbelievably inconsistent. And they sit a long way out now. Five and a half games out of a playoff spot with the Blazers, Spurs, Kings and Pelicans all in between them and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Suns may be the third Western Conference team to officially go fishing. They're close, man. I know mathematically they're not out, so they're going to keep fighting. But Devin Booker has come back to earth over the last month or so. He hasn't looked as good. You wonder if maybe he's playing through something. Mikhail Bridges looks great. Kelly Oubre is going to miss a few weeks with the meniscus issue. And I know Dario Saric was actually decent in this ball game, but no chance you're convincing me to pick that dude up. Looking back to Friday to try to find out if we missed anybody, I think we might have knocked out all but maybe one or two teams, or did we get everybody? I think Oklahoma City played on Friday, and they were in a a we-get-a-few-days-off look-ahead game in Milwaukee. just got throttled. Utah played. I'm not even going to analyze that ballgame. Utah played on Friday and uh, then didn't play over the weekend either. And the only note there is that Mike Conley, frankly, had one of his best games of the season for the Jazz and it was a game that they should win. They beat up on the Wizards by 10. Honestly, they probably should have won it by more than that. But good to see Conley not only score, but get rebounds, assists, a steal, and a couple of three-pointers. He looked pretty efficient doing it. Played 32 and a half minutes. I mean, and not that you're going to get rewarded if you held on all year, but at least you're no longer being punished. And as we turn our attention to a seven-game Monday, Houston is in New York. I'm going to keep my eye on Mo Harkless. Although, you know, we've seen this before. He'll play a few good ball games, then his knee gets hurt. But, I mean, I'll tell you, if he throws up another 1-1-1 game, I might just grab him. Portland, I don't think we'll see Dame for this ball game, but maybe he surprises us. That would be the only thing to keep an eye on in that one. They're in Orlando. Utah, I think we have a pretty good idea of what they are now, and it's... Generally, a team without Joe Ingles' fantasy value, Cleveland Tristan Thompson out, so the other three centers should be usable. Keyword being should. Milwaukee uninteresting, Miami generally uninteresting, although it, you know you can watch the the eb, the great ebb and flow that is Jay Crowder. He is flowing these days. Memphis, who's ebbing and who's flowing there? Can De'Anthony Melton get himself up and over the hump? Do we get any kind of updates on Jaron Jackson or Brandon Clark? Doubt it. Can Gorgie Jang actually play enough? I don't know. In Atlanta, that's a not a spot where you're going to see a ton of extra center minutes, but maybe. The Hawks, same kind of thing. Does Cam Reddish sit this one out? If so, Hunter, Herder, those guys look useful again. Dallas. This is the... Is the other half of the back to back for Dallas? Am I getting that right? Yeah, they played in Minnesota on Sunday, so probably no Porzingis in this one, which means you can get some Maxi Kleba action going. Chicago, they just stink, but you know, maybe somebody will come back and play for them, so that's worth watching. Same with Kobe White. Indiana, those guys are the starters right now, and for the Spurs, indeed, it's Trey Lyle's time. What a wild world we've entered. Trey Lyle's time, indeed. I mean, really, like we, you know, he was a guy that didn't have much in the way of fantasy game a couple of years back in his career. It was all points and rebounds. There was nothing else. Lately, and and some of it was when he moved to Denver. He looked a little bit more comfortable. Block rate came up a little bit. There was never really enough minutes for him to do anything of note, anything truly noteworthy. But if you look at the games in San Antonio, just look at this year, and isolate the games where he's played 30 minutes. There aren't many of them, by the way. An unbelievably limited few. I think it's happened two, maybe three times all season long. This most recent one, 20-9 with five defensive stats and two threes. February 6th, he played 34 minutes, had 23-10 and 10, with two steals and four three-pointers. That's it. Those are the only two times all year, actually, that he's played more than 30 minutes. He's had some 27-minute games mixed in there. But all of these other times where he's been up in that range, where there's been a a slight opportunity, there's always been one other center giving him a hard time. Usually that's either Aldridge or Jakob Pertl. But those guys are out right now. You look back at last year, too, and see if there are any games where you can get him up around 29 or 30 minutes. Played 29 minutes February 4th of last season at 20-4, and Steal a block and two three-pointers. 38 minutes on December 8th of 2018. Missed a whole bunch of shots, but had nine points, ten boards, a steal, a block, and a three. 30 minutes a week after that, nine and six with three assists, two blocks, and missed his three-pointers. So basically what we're saying at at this juncture is he is effectively Lowry Markkinen in fantasy if given the actual opportunity to play. And that's what you'll have for, I don't know, a couple of games here. I don't know when LaMarcus Aldridge is back. It might You might get him for, hell, a handful. And a couple of teams will probably have picked him up already by the time you listen to this podcast. There's always going to be somebody that's out there that's snatching and grabbing real quickly. Uh, but the Spurs have a back-to-back, Monday, Tuesday, you think Aldridge plays in one half of the back to back? I honestly don't think he does. I think he's back maybe the sixth or eighth. So, especially if you're in a roto games cap format and you can squeeze two monster minute performances out of Aldridge, you might as well do it. Or, excuse me, out of Lyles. You'd probably do it. None of the betting lines are out. A couple of them are out, I should say, for this seven game card. And obviously, you can get more information on that from our buddies over at Hoop Ball Gaming. And we will remind you once again with March Madness right around the corner to do all of your betting at mybookie.ag. Open up an account with promo code today. T O D A Y get a 50% deposit match on your first deposit when you open up the account. I did it, and I'll tell you right now, I put in 200 bucks, so I got a hundred dollar bonus. And you guys know how sparingly I wager. I think I've played. I think I've actually placed two bets since I opened up that account like a month and a half ago. Two bets over about seven weeks. I'm a spot better. I bet against Zion's team when he came back. I bet against the Pacers when Oladipo came back. I have a type. I have a moment. I moment pick. And they hit, you know? I know that actually in the long term you're better off making more plays if you can keep that winning percentage up over 52.4. But for me, I really want to try to get the percentage as high as humanly possible, and then I'll just cash in when the time is right. And I am doing that with my buddies over at mybookie.ag. You should as well. As I've said a million times on this pod, their customer service is fantastic. It's so much better. It's so much better than the other places that have popped up and disappeared. Uh, that, and that's why this place is different. That's why they've separated themselves from the pack. So go open up an account. Use that promo code, the word TODAY. That'll let them know that HoopBall sent you and you get that 50% deposit bonus as well. I am Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. This was your reverse chronological lightning round Monday. What do we got coming up this week? Well, what if I told you we had fantasy basketball analysis coming up this week? I know groundbreaking stuff. I'm going to get out of here before my voice completely goes. Hoping I'm back to 100% tomorrow, but I feel okay. I feel pretty good now. This is like the residual stuff. Everybody's fine. It's just a cold. Got one of those every seven weeks these days. The hell with it. Have a great Monday, everybody. Lots of stuff going on these days in fantasy. Let's talk it through. You can hit me with questions on streaming stuff. I have no problem answering those. Uh, Brandon Marcus will be with us. At some point during the middle of the week, usually on Wednesday, we'll see if we can get some of our other experts to pop back on here as we hit the three-quarter mark. Last furlong coming up here on this NBA campaign. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan vespers Leave that five-star review. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com, at fantasy at tweets. Oh! Oh! Oh, no, no. Don't turn it off yet. We have two... Brand new shows coming this week. Man, I almost forgot to mention that. This is your teaser to make sure you're following at HoopBallTweets because our brand new shows we will definitely be unveiling on that Twitter feed, and I'll be retweeting it, obviously. But really excited about some new stuff we got coming here on our pod division. Hell yeah, forgot about it. Okay, now you can go ahead and have a great Monday. I'll talk to you all uh, tomorrow, Tuesday morning. So long, everybody.